Lisa. Victory, okay. <laughs> Hello and welcome to A Muslim and a Jew. My counterpart, Zena, is logging on, but we have a guest here today, Beatrice. Um, Beatrice is... Hello and welcome Yay, to a Muslim. Muslim and a Jew. Okay, now <laughs> I'm learning. I was about to um, intro Beatrice, but I was like, no, Zena's not here. Okay, so Beatrice is my family, essentially, and she is a student at UPenn and really is going to intro herself. She's amazing. She's so smart and funny um, and did this really cool project for a class um, in school. And when I watched her final product of this project, I was like, we have to talk about this. Um, It's very outside of Zena and my realm of knowledge. So we thought it would be good to shake it up. So Beatrice, can you tell us about the class that you did this project for and what the project was? Sure. Um, Thanks for having me, everybody. Um, (laughs) So the class was called Design After the Digital. It was a class to prepare design students for, um, you know, like ethically designing um, for an age overwhelmed with um, technology. Um, And the first assignment we were given was to critically analyze a technology from an implications point of view. Um, And the task was um, to talk about a technology with respect to its cultural significance. Reason being that um, digital or digitally designed artifacts, products, services, applications define the fundamental experiences of our lives. Um, So we were told the analysis should not only describe how the product works, but to really use the product as a lens to discuss how it affects our lives, um, its implications for topics like surveillance, trust, injustice, economics, politics, environmental implications. Um, And while we were not trying to argue for or against the technology's existence, I like that we were also not striving for objectivity that, of course, the technology we select embodies a surrounding, very consequential context. Um, And then we were told, okay, redesign it. How would you make it different? Um, And the redesign does not need to be um, realistic. It can just kind of um, provoke discussion. That's so interesting. And so you, this teacher sounds really cool. So you chose Google Drive, right? I did, yes. And can you tell me why? Yeah, so um, I titled my project, Can Big Tech Make Us Pray? Um, And I wanted to redesign the process of file storage. Um, And um, in my redesign for Google Drive, basically what I'm trying to do is reintroduce the idea of effort into file storage. So I maintained the notion that Google Drive is a system to keep our files, um, you know, safer, eternity, forever accessible. Um, But in this process, in order to store a file, you actually have to print it out, hand deliver it to a local Google Drive file storage facility, um, which I designed to be regionally located and uh, like comparable to Amazon lockers. 
So I did this because I want people to acknowledge the energy and labor that goes into storing a file and kind of acknowledge the physical infrastructure that underpins that system. And I designed it so that if your cabinet fills up, um, you don't you don't really get to buy any more space. It's time to go through your files, see which ones you val- value, and throw some away, knowing that you you can't keep everything while still preserving a, a safe environment for everybody. Um, but if you notice that someone else's cabinet has space, you are free to use some of their space until they need theirs, which is neither expected nor obligatory that they let you, but you know, similar to a gift economy, we can share space. And then before leaving the storage center, I designed the process so that everybody will meditate to a sort of disembodied voice, which will walk you through just what you experienced, how much space you took or freed up, and really how the world's resources are finite. Um, And hopefully that will be a time where you make space to express gratitude for, um, the space that you take up and acknowledge the materiality behind your things even if they're files I'm just like how did you even think of this and I have so many questions (laughs) that you say in the video and that you just said that I want you to elaborate on but going back to the beginning of the video the intro that you chose with that song was that intentional very intentional yes okay so then I'm gonna read I didn't want to read it if it was just an accident I had a feeling knowing you that it wasn't but I'm gonna (laughs) read how the video opened great um it was a song right yes I'm pretty sure you sent me the whole thing on Spotify um and the opening line was transformation of human consciousness through meditation is frustrating so long as we think of it in turn in terms as something that I can bring about that I myself can bring about. Why did you choose to start? Yeah. Um, So just for some context, that song was made into a song, but it is the words of Alan Watts, um, one of my favorite philosophers. And I think what he's getting at here is that when we quit thinking primarily about ourselves and our own self-preservation, we undergo like the truly heroic transformation of our own consciousness that many of us are striving for when we meditate. Later in the song or like his speech or whatever he was doing when he said this, he said, my guru is better than your guru, kind of making fun of the idea that we claim to have an answer or Mm -hmm. are more ethical than, you know, someone else's answers. And I think it's a really provocative sentiment that he brings up here about the power of the individual, you know, versus in this case, the the power of the corporation, um, which I'm intrigued by because I think so many issues of our day have to do with like the individual versus the mass. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, You know, if I log off of Facebook, will that do anything? If I recycle one thing, will that, um, make a dent in carbon emissions Mm. um so the irony of my project is that google is kind of or not google in this case but or yes google in this case is kind of facilitating this (coughs) 
can see the cough coming in your facial expression. <laughs> that Google is facilitating all of this. And in my final words of my video, I asked that question. Can big tech make us pray? Is all coercion bad? Um, and I felt like Alan Watts kind of introduced my daring sentiments in a in a sexy and daring way. And I like I like his <laughs> words. <laughs> Yes, it was definitely like an aesthetic and like um, in, provocative. Provocative is a good word. I think you use that also. So basically, the reason I thought this is perfect for Zena and Mai's like theme of unlearning is because in the video you say it's intentional that we think what we're doing online is neutral. Mm -hmm. Can you just, like, explain what you mean by that? Sure. Um, so I study the history of science and technology. And, like, day one, one of the first things we learn is that technologies are not neutral. The human experience of kind of inhaling and ingesting any functionality really any bit of information is affecting our psyches somehow on the most basic of levels, but kind of zooming out, no technology is, um, is an experience that exists in isolation from things like race and accessibility, um, gender, the history of technology is extremely intertwined with all of those topics. Mm -hmm. um that's kind of what I mean by the phrase neutrality okay I like that um Zen I'm gonna I have one more question at the top of my mm -hmm. brain but then I'll I'll let you jump in um okay so something we learn um in school like growing up like in the video you say like one day a teacher came to class and said we're using iPads now sure we're saving paper this is better for the environment that's what we all think like oh I have a laptop like I don't buy books like it's better for the environment um, so that's kind of not on paper is cutting down trees, literally, but what are the material resources used up when we are using the cloud instead of paper? Yeah, um, the history of technology is very closely associated with the human desire to understand and manipulate our surrounding environment. Mm -hmm. I think the modern petrochemical industry perhaps is the most obvious extension of that. But I think more recently, we've started to realize the environmental impacts of information technology, including like not only the toxic byproducts of the massive amounts of um, the toxic byproducts associated with um, like the production of an iPhone, but mm -hmm. also like the polluting effects of the massive amounts of energy and water required by data centers at places like Google and Facebook, which is a great thing for us to be realizing because mm -hmm. we tend to think of ourselves as living in like a post-industrial age, mm -hmm. um, you know, like gone are the days of smoke and factories or gone are the days of like working um, conditions that are harmful to people. Mm. 
Um, so I think a great historian of science, Nathan Ensmenger, shows us that when we look at the vast web of, of wires, cables, towers, generators, other physical equipment that underlies the like virtual realm of cyberspace, and I say that in quotes, mm-hmm. the digital presence does not seem like so discontinuous from our industrial past. It literally mm-hmm. does use the same infrastructure as railways did. Um, but so yeah, we crazy. can definitely get into some nasty figures. I say in my video, if the cloud were a country, it would be the sixth largest consumer of electricity on the planet. That's ridiculous. That's insane. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> a typical data center requires hundreds and thousands of gallons of fresh water a day to operate. A a single semiconductor fabrication facility requires millions of gallons of water. Um, The manufacturing of both digital devices and renewable energy technologies require the extraction of like massive amounts of mineral resources. When you hear Bitcoin, what you're hearing are mines and server farms and data warehouses which are sites that are used to produce virtual commodities that look surprisingly similar to those found in traditional forms of industrial manufacturing. So at the most basic level, things like Bitcoin require a lot of energy, just like an intense amount of computer energy to perform the mathematical calculations of mining, similar to file storage, because it just It takes a lot for a computer to digest like Mm -hmm. all of the bits of digital data that we have. And when those machines work hard, they get hot. And when they work harder, they get hotter and you need a ridiculous amount of water to cool that down. And that's like as industrial and resource extracting as it gets, despite what we what what we know of, um, what what we're marketed Mm-hmm. That the cloud is like this ethereal figment of the air and like affects has, nothing. Yeah, has no physical being. Jeez. It's like interesting because like I was imagining when you were talking about your Google Drive project, like kind of like a warehouse. And I'm like, if my own drive was a warehouse, it would be a really big warehouse. <laughs> and I'm like, there's so, and I'm like, my drive is like nothing compared to other drives mm-hmm. I've seen. And then I'm thinking of it in terms of like hundreds and thousands. And I'm like, oh, my God, if, uh, if those all physically existed, imagine in a way they do physically exist because like they're in the form of like these, ser- right? Like, is this correct? Servers or mm-hmm. something like that, like warehouses full of these servers that have all my information, a lot of it that I'm thinking I really don't need. And I kind of want to go and clean out my Google Drive yeah. right now because I'm like, it's taking up all this water. So I'm like, and this, I, I also want to just see it in terms of like comparing other things that take up a lot of water. So I think of like, I don't know, the meat industry, for example. So like, what would be more effective? Like somebody completely just not eating meat anymore or somebody completely not using their Google Drive anymore? Like, what do you think would save the most water? Yeah, that is kind of the million dollar question (laughs) right now. Um, Yeah, I've spoken to, this is, Like, I've spoken to kind of decision scientists about this, and there are some people attempting to do that sort of math. Um, I don't know 
I think if you, you know, really eliminated or um, not even eliminated, but if you kind of decreased the amount of meat that you were consuming, I would assume that had a more direct effect than like one person deleting a file considering Mm -hmm. just like how many files are out there. I don't know if the if like the individual could even make a dent but my Mm -hmm. project wasn't necessarily arguing like for the banishment of this infrastructure I'm not trying to like disband Google um (laughs) in this particular conversation I'm trying to (laughs) encourage like a thoughtful and spiritual approach to our things Mm -hmm. my process kind of demands the intentionality and responsibility that we get to skirt by having access to like a mega amount of things and um yeah in this video I'm an artist trying to provoke a more thoughtful world I I would I'm so interested to know like answers to questions like if I fly to a meeting is that better for the environment or if I I'm on Zoom and I'm supporting like the infrastructure that like upholds the way that I'm able to have this meeting remote. Like what's better for the environment? Those are some of the toughest questions that I don't think are answered yet. But it's the people are trying to figure stuff like that out now. Definitely. Definitely. Um, Funny thing is that those models take up a lot of energy. It's like ironic. (laughs) Yikes. (laughs) Um, okay, this is like, going backwards a little bit, but something you say in your video is the you talk about the psychological effects of thinking we have an infinite, infinite amount of digital real estate at our disposal. Mm -hmm. And we obviously don't, most of us don't feel that way about like our physical lives. Like I don't have an infinite amount of real estate. When I think about my apartment, or like where I'm gonna live for the rest of my life. So when you said that just now, it made me think, you know how people talk about like decluttering their lives and like becoming more minimalist. And like, I was just listening to a podcast today where they were talking about the, like the idea of looking at your stuff and being like, does this bring me joy and throwing it out if it doesn't bring you joy? Is that kind of, which I'm not against, it's just easier said than done. Is that kind of how you're saying we should be approaching our digital spaces I think the world would be in a better place if we all really thought about it if we all had to walk to the storage center and we had to go through a filing cabinet and said okay time to get rid of me and prom in 2017 (laughs) because I have new memories that I like I think that psychological process would put ourselves in a better place because we live in an economy, if we think about capitalism, the normal transactional thought that occurs is, wow, this is free, not, oh, this thing would take up something mm-hmm. that would potentially harm a place or a person. And I think one of the fallacies that I try to address is that things like spirituality cannot coexist with capitalism. And I intentionally designed the storage space not to look green or environmentally friendly because I wanted it to look industrial and I wanted the modern person to digest it as a space 
that could kind of exist in their daily life. It has to be psychologically attainable. Like, I don't know if we're ready for the plants and the fairies everywhere. Um, so I think, I think it's realistic and that's how I tried to design it. Hmm. I know. Cause I was going to ask, it's like, but then I, it seems like the work is being done. Like what are the alternatives? Cause we're just, we're moving to such like a predominantly just tech world. Like nothing is going to be, it seems as if nothing's going to be physical. Mm-hmm. And then that's scary. Cons- like considering like everything that it takes, like, I just keep thinking about the water mm-hmm. like what are, are and what are some alternatives like that you've heard of that are in the works like is there any other way I think a great opportunity in this space is exactly what you just said which is like water conservation um there I like tech companies are claiming to be sort of like optimizing the particular process of cooling down machines I think there's great opportunity there we could be doing better there um also there's work being done in the kind of bitcoin mining space there's conversations surrounding restructuring the internet right now the internet works on um something called tcp ip which sounds complicated, but it's really just the way that one message is sent to another so that you and me can have this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it was changed to something like blockchain, that would certainly have implications that could maybe even be better for the environment because then we would have a way to track the actual environmental footprint of each message and perhaps like parse a way to then decide like what we value in a mathematical sense there are ways that we can make this better I think yeah and I really do think it definitely starts with like diversity of like you know people in creating these things because like the more diversity you have, the more considerations we're going to take in. And I think that's what it is. It's like, you're, you, because you mentioned multiple times, like the psychological aspect of it. Like, we're just not thinking in these ways, which is why the what we're creating is super problematic for the environment because we're, we're not really, we're just thinking about the environment. In my opinion, I'm just, I feel like we're just caring right now about the environment. Um, it takes, yeah, thinking and like getting this information out there because. I just found realized that this was a problem like only like a year or two ago. Um, so yeah, yeah this I is by far the most information mm-hmm. I've heard about it. Yeah, from you, and and that's like a little confusing or concerning, which mm-hmm. I would like to touch on before I ask you why you think we don't talk about this. Um, just on Zena, what you said about like diversifying who's like handling this problem, even. Um, something we talk about a lot is like the individualistic culture of, of America mm-hmm. and also just like very Western to be um, every man for himself. Um, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, like um, zero sum game. Sure. And it's very indigenous. Like it's, it's a very indigenous mindset to think collectively and about the community and the way that, you are impacting other people around you and that you collectively create like impacts on each other and the environment. And I feel like that's also, we're approaching that we approach technology through the Western American 
individualistic mindset and not with indigenous knowledge that basically teaches us and could have taught us this if we had listened already like we're hurting the collective exactly and that culture definitely makes it very hard to make positive change because uh, over and over again i've heard like i mean positive change really requires a personal sacrifice like, you need to be willing to give up something that really gives you joy or whatever. And that's very hard for an individualistic culture. Um, so, like, I wondered, like, what needs to change first? Like, our values and then we start caring and then positive change happens. Like, I think that's really where it can start in such an individualistic culture. Yeah. I love those thoughts. I think... Um. I don't think any solution like will end up existing in isolation. So I think once the sentiment is around places like Congress, we can get to a place maybe where Switzerland is at. They have a trash tax. If you are throwing away more, you have to pay more money. It's amazing. Um, right. <laughs> and and I've and I've been to Switzerland and you definitely see like the mm-hmm. psychological wheels turning. I watched a family stand in front of a trash can and really, really like separate their plastics from their papers, from their food and put it in the right place. All of their garbages are underground in most cities so you can't like see the trash overflowing um and i and i like that psychological um kind of design there which is it's here in the ground that's where it's going <laughs> like it won't overflow on our streets but stand over this hole and deal with your shit basically um like you're putting stuff into back into the earth it makes you yes, think about that i think yes and i I, when I was with my friends, I went to a all-you-can-eat place in Switzerland, um, and one of my friends, like, had, I guess was super hungry, had a lot of food, and this was kind of rude, but I appreciated it, that, like, someone came up to him and was like, are you really going to finish all that food? Like, just because it's free doesn't mean you take as much as you can get you know, other people are here, other people need to eat, whatever. So I definitely saw the mindset everywhere in Switzerland. Um, I don't think that's unrealistic for, you know, an English speaking, like, predominantly white place. I think we can do it. They definitely feel it. I think it probably stems from the laws and Mm -hmm. from the leaders who definitely believe it's an issue. So that's my thing is like, why is this not spoken about on like a larger scale? Like, why do we not know about this? Why is it not part of a conversation? Greed. I'm going to put that out there. Um, I touched on the idea that I think the cloud was like a very intentional name to begin with. Mm -hmm. It certainly stumped me for a while. I was like, (laughs) Oh, great. Like go where my files go into the air. Enjoy yourselves. Like I had no idea. Um, And, you know, there's also a lot to be said about the fact that, like, Google and Facebook have very, you know, close relationships with the government. They Mm -hmm. are, um, by all means, protected and, and, and do a lot to help 
um, the government and in turn, you know, like they, they have these protective relationships, which isn't entirely true. Like Congress does try to regulate things like privacy and surveillance. It's just so silent. Mm -hmm. Like it's just so invisible. You can't actually see the smoke. The iPhone looks beautiful. It's white and it's glass. Like how could you think that this would be a dirty thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so clean looking, literally. So do you feel like, because my solution to essentially every problem is educate kids as soon as they can read and write, like they should know this. That's like what I think is the, I mean, the plan is not going to exist long enough for that to even help. But if say we weren't destroying the planet, which is ironic because that's what we're talking about, do you feel like if this was a conversation people were aware of from like an early age when they start to have a digital footprint that could make a difference of course you learn from a very young age that you save your money for things that you care about and um econ 101 you you learn that things have a price and that there's a finite amount of money and Mm -hmm. if we inject more into the economy there's consequences so what if the same went for things I would love for there to be like a decision climate class or like even section of things like home and career I think that would be wonderful it's really hard to switch a psychological thing like that later on it's like learning a language and I was gonna say like it it really just start like it's to really just start with education, especially like early education. And like, I know with my students, like they're in high school and like, they do care about what's happening. Um, but they don't have like the, the foundation to even start on what, what, what to do about it or why it's happening, but they know and understand like where it's not looking good and it is a concern. So it's like, if only there was something to kind of meet that demand, because I think like more and more people are, like I have to read the data on this but like I know most people like care about what's happening to the environment not everybody oh my god we need to do something so it's like about just riling that up like organizing that and I think that like would be the solution because like it's you're right it's a psychological aspect it's the culture of it like I'm thinking about Switzerland like people are like my literally thinking like it's 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 natural for them to separate their trash why like the same way it's natural for us to throw away trash we can get to a point where it's natural to do that extra step like brushing our teeth in the morning or like washing our face like I know in Seattle they've gotten to a point where they are actually separating everything composting recycling um you know trash like they're already doing that step and not just Seattle but like I mean we can get it to a wider scale because it's starting to happen slowly everywhere Mm -hmm. else so it's like about the how I think, especially organizing such a um, heterogeneous place and big place like the United States, because then when you look at Switzerland, it's so homogenous and so small. Like, how do you get that on a bigger, wider scale? Definitely. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the main barriers is that we're all not quite clear on, like, what the exact problem that needs to be targeted is. Like, Mm -hmm. for example, people like Elon Musk, who are already planning for to colonize like another world. Um, I guess the sentiment there is we actually need to just focus on creating opportunities elsewhere. This cannot be reversed. 
Um, and yeah, he wants to make Mars an inhabitable place um, in response to like an inevitable World War Three, climate change. People have their reasons for colonizing Mars. So some of us are still trying to like deal with stuff back on Earth. And yeah. <laughs> some of us aren't. So I think if all of our resources were kind of concentrated into one area, that would make things a lot easier. You're right. It just sucks because like they're literally like, okay, like these, it's like they've given up on Earth. Not yeah. even going to try to attempt to deal what's going on here and just like going to focus elsewhere. It's like, that's just, how, and like, why? No, I don't want to live on Mars. Who wants <laughs> to go live on Mars? Well, we don't even have the energy. We have the amount of energy to send three astronauts to Mars. So I don't know what the plan is there, but. And, like, as if we wouldn't do the same thing there. It seems like we need a new mindset and a new, like, approach. It's kind of like, I mean, I don't know if uh, you've seen Don't Look Up. I was about to bring that up. 100%, yeah. Have you but seen But there you go. I have, yeah. <laughs> Wait, like, can we just, for a second, tangent on that? Because, first of all, I have never been so stressed out watching a movie. Like, that actually, I had to pause it. It was, like, it was actually so stressful. And honestly, uh, spoiler spoiler alert, like I wanted the planet to be destroyed in the end because I thought everyone deserved it. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. it's so dark, but I was like, yeah, <laughs> blow them up. Like they're mm-hmm. idiots mm-hmm. and we're idiots, myself included. Like, I don't care as much as I say I care. I'd be doing something on a daily basis about climate change. And we're so like discouraged. It stops us from from acting. But, like, I thought the end was really fucking sad. I was like, Mm -hmm. this is what's going to happen to us. When you see that baby in the bathtub and, like, the animals, Mm -hmm. I was like, this is what we're – we are allowing to be destroyed. Mm -hmm. And it's like – and then in the name of, like, profit, you know, like, with the – when they were about to destroy the comet, like, they didn't because they could mine it for, like, gold and diamonds or some bullshit. That's um, what I and... thought of when, Beatrice, you said something about minerals. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's how, happening movie. everywhere. Like, I mean, on our own planet, we're doing that to other countries and stuff like that. And, like, Elon Musk wants to go and, like, do something over at Mars. Like, it, that's, it's, like, that's the, the focus. It's always going to be profit. So, like, when we think about COVID and how they handled COVID, it was profit that was prioritized and money and business over, you know, lives. Like, that's always going to be, take precedence. So, it's, like, until well, that changes yeah until that changes it can but like that's where we're at right now yeah in a very like weird way since I came to it with my lens I, I was really attentive to like the psychological things going on in that film and it seemed like the producers were like keenly aware of that like the discussion revolving emotion was super interesting to me when Leo would, you know, get on the news um, and start yelling or uh, the girl actor, Jennifer Lawrence. Lawrence. Yes. She, when she would get too emotional, you know, they had to stop her, stop her. Right. And the idea that emotions could, could, kind of not be involved in perhaps the most emotional and existential question that has faced humankind 
that's weird right like why would we not cry about that um and I think that also needs to change like we need emotional people to fix this Mm -hmm. oh wow I love that that is beautiful I love that 100% yeah yeah and that 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 stems from other places the idea that like emotion shouldn't be involved in academia or science that's that's very widespread but particularly in this conversation I really liked how the producers kind of tied that in Mm -hmm. I think especially like when it comes to issues like this like it needs to be emotional because like it, it just it because it is emotional like these are people's lives that's what drives um, in you, question is your emotion mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. can be a genius if you don't if you are not emotionally invested in whatever you're passionate about you'll give up right mm-hmm. yeah and it's like we we, we got to look up right now it's like I mean, like, it's in this movie, it's like they refused to look up until they saw the comment in front of their faces. And they were like, oh now nah, we believe like it. That, I felt like I was, like, it was just felt like God put that movie in their brains and wanted us to see it. Like, this is because what y'all I'm are like, doing. How is that not going to be what happens? And that's very cynical, but I'm, I'm genuinely thinking right now, how is that not our future? Yeah, I guess on a kind of a lighter note, kind of not. <laughs> Um, (laughs) one of my favorite philosophers Eugene Huzar um, I can't not bring him into the conversation he embodies like so much of what we're talking about he was a French philosopher I think in the 17th century his work is not well known because it hasn't been translated from French yet but (laughs) one of my friends and teaching assistants is doing that so that's how I know about this dude and he thinks he's of the mindset that each moment in civilization can be characterized by humans innovating innovating too much innovating so much to the point of self-destruction and then ending the world and that's not really the end of the world it's just the end of the world as they know it because they're not there anymore Mm -hmm. and it I and I like this because it kind of poses the question of like well who are we to think as humans that we can really end this place we can end us yeah but what if this has happened many many times before and we've started from day one and we've innovated and it just kind of is the same cycle and he was kind of of the opinion that um that that the garden of eden for example was this weird high-tech silicon valley place where the you know the forbidden fruit was eaten um was eaten um they garnered too much knowledge from from the apple they innovated too much and that was like self-destruction phase one um so i don't want to say that there's like less implications because maybe new things will happen because that's kind of ignorant and not what we're going for but it's nice to know i guess that maybe nature can persevere just not with us i think that is such a valid point like who are we like you said who are we to think that we uh have the power of controlling the future of earth in our hands in reality when if and when earth becomes in uninhabitable we will die and earth will probably live on Mm -hmm. as it has before us and like you said who knows like 
there could have been other cycles of, of human-like beings. Right. That's insane. Oh, Zena, do you have any other questions? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like just like, I'm processing it all. I'm like, dang, gotta go clear up all my files ever. Yeah. Um, like, but just- I guess it's like... I, I, like I say, I think um, honestly, maybe almost every episode, like change starts with education. Like yeah. we just got to get people to like just think in this way, just to think. And once we start thinking this way, like the solutions will come about. Um, and that's when like innovation happens. Okay. Um, yeah, just I a new a way question. to go about things. It's um, two questions, which is off of what Zana said. Basically, what we what would you say an individual can do? But also, just quick side note. If I am not using my computer, if it's turned off, is mm-hmm. it still using all of those resources? Um, well, like a computer can mine Bitcoin without anyone kind of you like it can be left to its own devices to do things. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly know spot on. I like you're definitely using way more of an environmental footprint when you're using your computer mm-hmm. i don't know but like my cloud is taking up space even when my computer is sleeping right oh yes I-, I thought okay yeah the cloud is beyond like your individual sphere and like even if i never use my computer again all my stuff would still be taking up space yeah Okay, so then what what can like an individual person do to combat this? Um, there's like the cop out, which is that like, oh, we're all gonna die and um, doesn't matter, like yeah. end is near. But the like a very real thing as the movie depicted is that some will be the first to go like some areas are worse in terms of being affected by these issues some communities are more effective or more affected like just as we see with the issue of surveillance there mm-hmm. are communities that will just just take the hit more mm-hmm. so thinking about particularly them i think should be central to our solutions um but solutions are so weird because anything that facebook does we can kind of find an issue for example when they don't give um their technology to underserved communities we criticize them because how can we leave other people behind but when they do it's the white savior complex Mm -hmm. so i think number one is we stop criticizing the solutions like I get it we need to do this in the right way but it's kind of urgent down to the wire time here um I don't think we can move forward without new regulation um but in terms of the individual I vote I vote you're more conscious. Like, I don't care if one file doesn't make a difference. I vote that you recycle that bottle. I vote that you pick up the trash. I vote that you buy fewer things. I really don't care what the math says. Like, if we're all in this together, then you should do it. And you should be an example for your children and for other people around you. Basically, 
change the culture like little by little yeah. and eventually it's like make a demand make it a demand make your your representatives those in power like know like this is what you need to do in order for me to vote for you like that's kind of like the level we need to get it at mm-hmm. i mean it's starting to look that way because it's constantly now starting to be in my face like with gen z like we're the generation that's gonna like in order for you to be in office you literally have to care about the environment like i think it's so very slowly getting um to that point um have either of you heard of the book conscious capitalism Beatrice, i think you would love it no, but I must I have on my list. Um, it's written by John Mackey, the the founder of Whole Foods, um, and it's it's basically just the idea that like we're not. He doesn't believe like we should or will get rid of capitalism, but no. like there's a yeah. conscious way to be approaching mm-hmm. that that um, benefits all stakeholders, and the environment is one of them. Um, I can't, I don't want to say anymore just because like I can't explain it well, and but it's it's really good. You would like it. Appreciate that. Thank you. Um, yeah, there's also another book similar to that called Saving Capitalism by Robert Reich. And I love Robert Reich. Um, he's Berkeley professor. Um, he was like the labor secretary. Um, super awesome. And I think it's like, I've, I've had this discussion multiple times with people, like the idea of good capitalism and bad capitalism, because mm-hmm. I, I truly don't think capitalism will ever go away. Um, but I think there's a way to regulate it uh so um i think that would actually be a really really good podcast episode good yeah. capitalism versus bad capitalism but yeah there yeah, are ways green really- capitalism yeah <laughs> exactly conversation like, conscious green capitalism <laughs> um the last thing i wanted to put you on the spot with was you one of the last things in the video is the video of your project is you saying i think the screen is black when you say it Yes. I want to make people I want to make people uncomfortable. Yes. Zena and I love making people uncomfortable. Um how how do you want to make people uncomfortable? What's the benefit there? Yes. This is where I get most of my energy from, I would say. I love this. Um <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, the idea of politeness is Yeah, everyone thinks that we should be polite, and obviously that's not going to work. But I think beyond that, the reason why I said that is because I want people to realize just how different um, reality is for each and every one of us. Beyond, like, you see blue, I see a different taint of blue, but just, like some people's lives rely upon Facebook's infrastructure. Like, that is their living now. That's a completely different reality from mine, which is, like, way more concerned with um, with not having Facebook around. So I say that because these are going to be very uncomfortable conversations if we want to, like, arrive at a solution Um, and I, yeah, I want people to just feel a little more open to, to seeing the other, um, in your therapy episode. I thought about this a lot. Um, just the idea of like opening yourself to other sentiments that you don't really agree with, like. Mm -hmm. I think talking to people who you do agree with is great, but 
But yeah, people should be felt uncomfortable. Should should be made to be felt uncomfortable, like at all times. You should put yourself in the way of discomfort. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A thousand percent. Also, yeah, like by nature, what you're saying, like this makes. I mean, I love this conversation. I love talking to you guys, but like the idea of everything we're talking about makes me uncomfortable. Like it stresses me out. It's like, oh, great, mm-hmm. another thing, but right. it, nothing changes if if without that discomfort. So exactly, exactly. I totally agree. And I think you should be president yes. of the world because America. I'll vote for shit. you. Exactly. Would, like so, a couple you. solar panels or a couple wind windmills or that's not gonna change anything like much. I mean, it's, it sounds nice. Like I like it, but like what I'm hearing lately, it's like that. Those are actually not the solutions. It's kind of like businesses saying like we recycle, like we love recycling, but like recycling is like we actually don't even have a proper way to recycle. So it's like recycling is actually not super like the only way to save the planet like where I was even going with that but I just feel like a lot of the words that we use like recycling and and uh, sustainable are just like now buzzwords that Mm -hmm. actually don't mean anything because the people who are saying it actually don't care they're just saying it because they think that's what we care about so it's like not even intentional anymore the widely applicable idea of your project Beatrice is is living a more conscious life because mm. that applies to like every every realm of our lives like how you take up digital space how you take up physical space right. like in conversations um also material items like just like how you affect more than just yourself is an important thing for like us to grasp Hundred percent, and that's kind of why I included um, the points about God and religion, because mm-hmm. um, I mean, Alan Watts even says the birth of responsibility is waking up one day and realizing you're God. Um, similar to Levinas, Emmanuel Levinas, the philosopher who thinks um, in any situation the other person is God because they're they're kind of filling your psyche with things that make you respond to situations say certain things do certain things so in a very um self-obsessed sense if we all kind of think of ourselves as Mm -hmm. god and having the actual ability to like really yeah have the impact have the effect on people bring the spiritual conversation with you um Mm -hmm. yeah i like that oh Thank you so much for coming Thank on. Thank you so much. And yeah, bearing with us on. through the mm-hmm. technical difficulties. <laughs> and my coughing. Thank you guys so much yeah. for bringing me on here. I think unlearning totally embodies the uncomfortable, um, put yourself in the way of uncomfortable situations. So yeah. this is really great. All right. See you next week. On our next episode where we'll find out what we're talking about. You'll Maybe see. Maybe Captain. <laughs> <laughs>